That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, welcome back to the I Don't Get It podcast. Today we're going to be continuing our near-death experience slash spirituality series. We have Dr. Jeff, I believe you say his last name, O'Driscoll. Um, He goes by Dr. Jeff, and he is a 25-year veteran of emergency room medicine. He was an emergency room doctor for 25 years, and he stopped doing that in order to help souls heal. So now he says that he doesn't just, he doesn't heal bodies, physical bodies, but he heals souls. And he has not had a near-death experience himself but he has seen spirits leave the body at the hospital, which is incredible. He has, definitely has a sixth sense. Uh, Lauren, Naz, anything to say before we get him on? I'm just I'm excited. Ch- this has turned into the afterlife podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, podcast. so I think all of us are so into the afterlife. And I also feel like in a weird way, because you're so scared of death, Ashley, and because he's a doctor and you like love the medical field, yeah. that this guy might actually make you not that scared of it. Oh my it's God, like, totally. I love, yeah, I love that he's like the, he's the bridge, you know, yeah. between Eastern and Western medicine. So yes. I, I love that. Exactly. So profoundly said, Lauren Iconetti. Should we get him in? Let's, Let's do get it. him in. I just want to listen to him talk. Like, I don't, I, I want to say nothing. Same. <laughs> I've seen some YouTube videos and I just feel like we can just let him roll. All right, guys, we have Dr. Jeff on the line. Dr. Jeff, I I kind of briefly explained how you went from doing, you know, bodily medicine for 25 years to switching over to more of like spiritual uh, healing. So what would you call yourself? Right now, I call myself an intuitive mentor. Um, I don't like to call myself a coach because... It's not about telling people what to do. It's more about, here's my life experience. If, if it's helpful to you, I'm happy to share it. So I think of myself more as a mentor. Okay. So you, you've you had, would you like to call it a sixth sense since you were a kid? Yes. I, I think it started when I was just before my 12th birthday when my brother died in a farm accident. I didn't really think about it at the time. I didn't think it had any major impact on me. And then 20 years later, my brother came to me. He appeared to me. I saw him and he spoke to me and he said, you have to go talk with our mother because there's things she's never told you about my death. (gasps) Do you mind sharing? So I went and visited my mother. Uh, We had the house just to ourselves. Uh, uh, She still lives. My parents are still alive. They still live in the same house where I grew up with with my brother. And uh, she told me that day for the very first time, 
I always knew where you were in the house before Stan died because I could hear you singing. When your brother died, you stopped singing. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. And she'd never told me that before. Interesting. Wow. So that was my first realization that uh, my brother's death really did have a, a significant psychic impact on me. And I think that's what started the ball rolling because as a teenager, I'd have these experiences where I'd get messages one time when I was 16, I was driving a car much too fast on a narrow, windy country road after dark. I had two friends in the car. None of us were wearing seat belts. It was a Volkswagen bug. We were probably going over 60 miles an hour. And a voice said, you have to slow down. And wow. for some reason, I listened. I slowed down. I went around a corner. I hit a Cadillac. Uh, there was a lot of damage, but nobody was injured. I think I might have died that night if I hadn't have heard that voice. And wow. I'm convinced that that voice was my brother. Did it <gasps> sound like your brother? Like, did you hear a voice or was it more of like a, a voiceless message like that we hear like so conscious? much about when it comes to near-death experiences? Well, sometimes I get messages that just sound like messages in my mind that come clearly uh, other times I get messages, I hear what sounds like a voice, and it sounds like I'm hearing it with my ears. I was young and naive at that time, so I didn't really appreciate the origin of the voice until years later. And what happened was I was in a very rebellious time of my life at that time. I wouldn't have listened to any authority figure, not my parents, not law enforcement. I joked that if God had been sitting in the seat next to me, I wouldn't have listened to him. But, wow. I always listened to my older brother because I, I trusted him so much. And I think that's why that voice just wrapped itself around my soul. And I listened and, and did something. And I think it was my brother. Wow. Do you have any um, physical reactions when you hear a voice? Like, do your ears tingle? Like, do you feel it physically? And if so, where? Not always, but sometimes. Sometimes I get a tingling that goes up and down my spine. Sometimes it spreads to my whole body. Sometimes I get goosebumps. Um, uh, I, I usually have some profound sense of peace. And there's this indescribable sense of just knowing. It's just this download of knowledge that that comes in such a pure, rapid way that it just comes as a witness of its own source. So it's like a gut instinct. Yeah, but but even more somehow. That's what Stephanie was talking about. So we had yeah. your friend, Stephanie Arnold. She actually recommended that Dr. Jeff come on this podcast. Um, and she says she calls it a knowing, not a premonition or like not like a gut feeling, like just a knowing. Yes, as a matter of fact, I have a dear friend. His name's Jeff Olson. Uh, we met 24 years ago. He was in a bad car crash that almost killed him. It took the life of his wife of 10 years and his 14-month-old son. And he was flown to my trauma center. Uh, I'd never met him before. I didn't know him before that day. When I went into the trauma room, he was unconscious on the gurney, and a bunch of people were taking care of him. And standing in, in the air above the gurney was his deceased wife that had died in the accident. Oh, my gosh. Can you describe what that looked like to you? Did it look like what we think of when we think of ghostly figures? For me, when I've seen these things, and I've seen it, I've seen it a number of times, for me, they have a bodily form that resembles their physical body that they came out of. 
On one occasion, an elderly woman, I watched her leave her body when she died, and she had this beautiful physical form, and she appeared to be about half the age of the body she'd just come out of, as though she'd been restored to the fullest, most uh, perfect time in her physical life. Mm. And and they just, they have this profound light and glory about their person. It's not that I can see through them. They're not translucent like, uh, like you see portrayed in a movie, but... I can see them, but I can also see what's beyond them. And, and and that time when I happened with Jeff Olson, like I say, he was unconscious. I walked over and looked down at him on the gurney, looked at his injuries, and I could still see his wife standing in the air behind me because I could see in all directions at the same time. Do you see them as like a color? When I see them, they're usually a brilliant white uh, appearance. You have this sense that there's colors there, but they're so obscured by the by the brightness and the whiteness of it all that the colors are muted. So it the really first does... time you saw a body floating above another body, were you like alarmed or was it kind of peaceful? And when was that first time? I'm not sure when the first time was, but it didn't feel strange. It felt almost natural and normal because I'd been having these experiences for decades and they'd kind of gradually increased over time where I'd hear the voices more clearly and I'd, I'd get the messages in more detail. And then I started to see the messengers that were delivering the message. And so when I started to see souls leave their bodies and things like that, it just felt normal. It felt natural to me. It was almost like I assumed that everybody else saw it too. They just didn't speak about it like I didn't speak about it. So you kind of describe it looking as if it looks like the stereotypical version of heaven. Are you a religious person? I don't think of myself as religious. I do think of myself as spiritual. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I I don't see it in the typical way that heaven is portrayed in literature and film. Uh, or descriptions, um, it just feels like a perfect version of where we are now. It, it you get, I get this feeling that if we just would behave a little bit better, we'd be in heaven right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ashley Lauren, so many of my friends have made birthdays, literally so many of them that I was like, man, I need to get creative because they're like a lot of my really, really close friends. And I discovered this company called Note Cube, and it is a box of thoughtful notes. It's the coolest thing. I think it's the most Naz thing ever to gift. Um, my friend, I won't say her name because she will be receiving this for her birthday later this month. <laughs> Basically, it is the most perfect, thoughtful, unexpected gift. So it's this box, right? It's a cube, and they engrave her name on the top of it. And then there's a bunch of notes, like you fill out different description, you like check mark different adjectives to describe your friends. So like generous, loyal, thoughtful, and then they actually come up with things for you to say, which you can edit and make it more personal. And I added pictures to the back. And so she's going to get 10 to 20 of her best qualities, like in this little box that has her name engraved on it, which I just think is such a cool present. It's like so so unique. Like if you want to be like, oh, what do I get that person or a significant other or something? You just like want to show them how much you care about them and not just like, you know, flowers or something. This is literally going to say it on the box, how you feel about them and all their best qualities. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, my um, I actually received one of these as a gift, and they had it had um, our they added our um, wedding video in it. It was really, really cute. That's so cute. Yeah, so it's perfect for Mother's Day, guys. Father's Day, both coming up. Anniversaries, birthdays, weddings. Um, and you, because you are listeners of the I Don't Get It podcast, get 20% off when when ordering one with the code I Don't Get It. All caps, no spaces. I don't I get don't it. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, there's free delivery worldwide. You can shop online at thenotecube.com. It's easy to create and it lasts a lifetime. I, I have a couple of questions. My first one is, why do you call yourself a healing mentor and not a medium? And, and are you technically a medium or do you consider yourself a medium? Oh, yeah. Well, I... When I stopped practicing medicine, I started seeing people. They'd read my book. You know, six months after I stopped seeing patients, I had this just something clicked in my soul, and I understood it's okay to share now. You can talk about it because mm-hmm. I didn't talk about it when I was practicing medicine. And a few months later, I'd written my book. It's titled Not Yet, and uh, I, I published it. And people started coming up and asking me all kinds of questions. And so, and what amazed me was a lot of times I knew their answers. And sometimes I'd get these intuitive insights into what they were really asking and what the answer was they needed to hear. Wow. And one day I was talking with a friend of mine about this, and he said, I think you're a healer. And I said, oh, no, no, uh, homie, don't do no healing. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> I never even thought of myself as a healer when I was a doctor in the ER. And he goes, I think you're a healer, and I think you should ask for permission to use the word. So I came home. I changed my clothes. I went out for a run because I get good downloads when I'm running. And in the midst of this run, I asked, I said, is is it okay to call myself a healer? And source came to me. And on this occasion, it was a male presence. And he kind of chuckled and he said, of course, I made you a healer. Mm -hmm. And with those few words, I got this download and I understood, oh, he's not jealous. If, If I'm a really good healer, that doesn't make him less. He's not diminished by my successes. And I got this huge download of understanding with those few words. I came home from my run and I put healer on my website and on my business card that day. So would you consider that God who spoke to you? Some people would say God. Others would say source. Some would say the universe. Some say spirit. There's a lot of different names for it. And the problem with giving it names is none of the names are adequate. And most of what you do with names is you endear yourself to some people and you alienate yourself uh, to others because we insist on labeling things and the labels are never adequate. I wanted to know, we had a medium on the podcast and my, um, my cousin came through who had, who has passed to the other side. And so I was reading, um, some of her book to try and make sense of like some stuff going on in my life now. And, um, do you believe in, in soul contracts and how there's levels to heaven or, or the afterlife and how our whole purpose in being here on earth is really to just learn and experience and evolve our souls? 
I do believe that we're here to learn and experience and evolve. I believe that we are eternal beings that have always existed and that we are presently in a physical form. And at the end of this physical life, we return to a spiritual realm, whatever that is, and we continue to grow and progress and learn. Uh, And my friend, Jeff Olson, um, he had a profound near-death experience. I didn't know it until a month after his accident. The one I described about seeing his wife, mm-hmm. uh, a month after his accident, he'd had a number of surgeries. His leg had been amputated. I went to see him in his uh, hospital room, and I told him about what had happened, what I'd se- experienced with his wife, and he started to weep. He said, yeah, that was her. He, from the description, he knew it was his wife. And then he proceeded to tell me how he'd left his body at the scene of the accident while his body was still trapped in the car. And he'd risen above the accident and met his wife in the air in this beautiful ball of light, as he calls it. And she said, you have to go back and raise our other son because their seven-year-old son survived the accident without injury. Oh, my God. And Jeff Olson and I are still dear friends. And when he was out of his body on a he came into the presence of the divine and he was asked only one question. To what degree did you learn to love? Wow. I need to write that down. Oh, I love that that too. (laughs) To what degree did, I feel like that is the whole point. So like, that's the whole reason we're on this earth is to, to love to a certain degree. I think also to help other people. Right. Dr. Jeff. Right. I, I, I agree that very much. It's, I asked this question once. I said, why are we here? And I was told, it's easy to love everyone when you can see their divinity. You're here to see if you can learn to love when you can't see their divinity. Mm. Wow. I'm trying to, so I'm going through like a heartbreak right now. And I don't know how much I want to like, I don't really want to open up that much about it. But when, what, what, what console do you have to people dealing with any type of heartbreak or going through something painful where you're sort of in this ball of confusion and you're just like asking why all the time. Why did it happen this way? Why did this person pass? Why didn't it work out? Why didn't I get this job? Like what, what's your insight on, on people in that state of mind right now? Why is almost never a productive question. Uh, it almost never leads us in the right direction. I was contemplating some very difficult experiences I'd had one day, and a messenger came to me and said, every experience is to enable you to help someone else. I said, wait a minute, because <laughs> sometimes I argue with my messengers. I said, I thought experiences were for personal growth, and then if, if we wanted, we could go help people. And the messenger said, the primary purpose of every experience is to enable you to help someone else. Hmm. You get the secondary benefit of personal growth. And it gave me a 180-degree shift about why we go through horrible, difficult things. It's to teach us empathy. It's Mm -hmm. to enable us to help other people. Yeah, that makes sense fully. And it just proves that everyone you meet in life is like a teacher. Yes, absolutely. Everyone you meet. I met a teacher once in the most unexpected place. I, I was in the ER. I went into a room. The man on the gurney was homeless. He looked about 50. I think he was probably about 40, but he'd had a rough life. He had drug addictions. He was in soiled clothing. He had long, uncut hair and a scruffy beard. He had holes in his shoes, and he'd been out walking around in the snow, and his feet were in rough shape. 
I filled the wash basin with warm water and squirted some soap in it, and I sat down at the foot of the gurney. I took off his shoes and the last threads of his socks, and I washed his feet. Wow. And something profound happened. Everything that was temporal or earthly or physical was drawn aside, and I saw his soul. Mm. I saw who he was, and I was in the presence of the divine. But he was still alive. He was still alive, very much alive. I just saw who he was. And I'd gone into the room thinking I was going to serve him. And then I realized he was there ministering to me because I viewed, I have viewed every soul differently since that day. And I realized this was a man who was the antithesis of everything the world defines as success. And yet I understood I was in the presence of the divine. And I realized, oh, we're always in the presence of the divine, whether we're sitting in the pews or in the gutter. Mm-hmm. That's, that's who the person next to us is, always. And that's who we are. Yeah. We're Did all he say God. anything we're to all you? eternal energy. Did he say oh. anything or is it uh, a feeling like an energy um, of a divine? Oh, I just, I just saw his soul and I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I had that understanding. Um, I, I knew who, who, who he was. Um, no, he didn't say anything. We hardly spoke, but the experience was profound. Mm-hmm. Was it hard for you to decide to leave the medical field or was it freeing in a way because of, because there's so much stigma, right? Like you, you said yourself, you couldn't write your book on all these experiences until you left because I'd imagine you, maybe you thought along the, along the way that people wouldn't take you seriously. There was some of that. Uh, I, I had some concerns about my professional reputation and how it would affect my career. I also had some reservations about how patients and family members might receive it. And would it be off-putting to them? Would they not trust my medical care if they knew that about me? And sometimes sometimes the experiences just felt too sacred to share. Well, I okay so first I want to know how why you were inspired to go into the medical field did it have anything to do with your brother's accident especially since you ended up going into emergency medicine if that had anything to do with it I wasn't perceptive enough to pick up on it Um, I was walking along uh, the sidewalk I was a junior in college I think at the time as an undergrad and my friend, whose father was a physician, had known his whole life he wanted to be a physician. But I didn't know that. And we were walking along one day, and I said, what are you going to do when you grow up? And he said, well, I'm going to be a doctor, just like everybody knew. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> that was my decision. Interesting. I think the spirits, the spirits brought you there. You hadn't, didn't have a choice. They brought you there. Yeah, maybe. That may be the case. It's... Feeling like summer out here in Virginia. I'm I'm here in Virginia. Everyone's drinking and everyone's outside drinking. Lauren's like, everyone's basic. (laughs) All the outdoor seating is taken. Like she was trying to find a reservation yesterday because there is something about drinking in the summer. But we also like we want to keep our our bods, you know, looking tight and toned in the summer as well. So how about this? Coors Pure. It's basically a healthy beer. It's a healthy, it's you're living a healthy lifestyle and you're also drinking beer. And you're like, okay, wait, what in the hell? No, seriously, it's Coors Pure is organic. 
but chill about it, you know? I love it's, what you say, but chill organic, about it, but you chill know? About it. <laughs> they okay. are super chill about it. What I love about it is that I try to eat super strict during the week and she then does. go ham on the weekends. But sometimes, you know, you just had a long day. Sometimes you want to turn on the nanny, you know, and just drink something. I love so that you're going of, through your nanny phase. I went through oh that a God. couple years ago. I watched it every night before bed. Oh my God. It is literally getting me through life. Um, and what I... What what I watch it with is with a P- Coors Pure, 92 calories, zero sugar, literally perfect beer to celebrate the wins of everyday life. But it's simple because it's got organic barley, organic hops, and water. It's just really like clean like that. So when you want to enjoy a beer without the guilt, reach for Coors Pure. It's organic. I'm going to say it again. It's organic, but it's chill about it. Go to CoorsPure.com to see where you can find Coors Pure and be chill about it. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Albany, Georgia. You you talk about, um, you talk about some moments that you were, what was the one in the video that I was, that I watched? Now I'm totally drawing a blank. Um... Oh, yes. So you had a patient where he came in after a motorcycle accident and he didn't really have any obvious signs of a concussion or a brain bleed or anything like that. But you said that you had just you heard something that just compelled you to go and have the scans done. Can you explain that story? I think that's amazing. Yes, it was a relatively minor a motorcycle accident. He was wearing a helmet and protective gear, and he didn't seem to be injured in any way. His helmet didn't wasn't damaged so severely. And uh, there's some very well established uh, evidence based criteria for when you order a neck X ray or a head scan on somebody. And he didn't meet any criteria to require those imaging tests. And I was about to let him get up and go home, and I just had this this feeling that he needed a scan. In fact, I confided to the patient. I said, you don't meet medical criteria for a scan of your head, but I feel like we should do it anyway. And he kind of laughed and said, okay, doc, go ahead and order it. Um, Normally I'd get that result back in 30 minutes or so via the computer. On this occasion, my phone buzzed and the radiologist told me that he was accumulating arterial blood in his head so rapidly he could see the blood swirling in the scan. And he had what was called an epidural hematoma. When I went back down to the patient's room, he was starting to get sleepy. And because I worked in a level one trauma center, I was able to just call the neurosurgeon. And 15 or 20 minutes later, he was up in the OR getting the procedure taken care of. He was probably back on his motorcycle two weeks later. But if I would let him go home, he'd have almost certainly died that night. Is there any way that like other doctors or anyone, I guess, could like hone these kind of like gut instinctual feelings that you have? Because I feel like that'd be helpful for any doctor. Yes, I think you could. The challenge with it is, you know, everything works great in medicine until the one time it doesn't work. You know, Mm. there's always exceptions to every rule. And and if you have well-established published criteria or recommendations you're following, you can say, this person proves to be the exception. We know it works 98% of the time, but this is one of the 2% of the time it doesn't work. If you're working on intuition, it's pretty hard to fall back on some kind of published, established, accepted guideline among your colleagues to say, well, usually it works. Mm-hmm. So that was one example of when you just had that instinct to to treat a patient in a certain way. Were there any other examples of this? 
I had a guy come in one time. I think he was in his mid twenties and he was just horribly depressed. He was just, he couldn't work. He couldn't sleep. Uh, he was losing weight. The anniversary of his brother's uh, death was approaching and it was just threw him completely off, off the rails. Mm. And you know, you you do a normal evaluation, you talk to them, you may or may not get lab tests, you get a psychiatric evaluation, you may admit them to the hospital. And as I'm starting to think about all those things, something came into mind and I did something that I, I'd never done in the ER before or since. I looked at him and I said, I remember how I felt when my brother died. <gasps> Whoa, no and, way. It was like I took some profound weight off his shoulders. He just kind of straightened up, and you could almost see hope come back into his face. And I didn't give him any pills. He didn't need to be admitted to the hospital. All he needed to know was that he wasn't alone. There's so many people around the world that, like, that's... Like there's so many things that they just like need to know. And that's why I'm always so astounded when we talk to people like you or mediums, because those messages like from people who have passed, like really do change people's Mm -hmm. life. It's almost like people just walk around confused and uneasy because of the unknown. And it's like you have the ability to tell people what they know. What are some examples or what you know about it? What are some examples of... um, like for example, if someone comes to you to use you as a mentor, a men, a healing mentor, <laughs> I can't talk today. Um, how does that work? Like, how does the session start? Do do they just pay you to and literally ask you what is my purpose in life? Like, how does that work actually? Sometimes people come and they want to know what their purpose is. Yes, sometimes they feel like they have no gifts, no intuition of their own, and they want to. They want to know how they can develop develop that. Sometimes they're missing a deceased loved one and they want to have some kind of a connection. There's a broad variety. The one good thing that's come into my life as a consequence of COVID Mm -hmm. is I learned that I could work with clients via Zoom. And I now have clients on five continents in 10 countries. I have clients around the world now. Um, And so often, almost always, as we visit for 30 to 60 minutes or so, the client will verbalize the answer to their own question. And I'll just point their own words back at them and they go, oh, I see now. They have their aha moment. That's what I say I do for my clients. I bring them to their aha moment. How does that work? Like, could you tell Lauren and Ashley and I like what our purpose is? Or is it like, (laughs) how does that, how do you channel that? Or how do you help people come to, to that consensus and conclusion? People feel spirit, if you want to call it spirit or source or intuition in different ways. Do you ask the question earlier, how does it feel when I have it? That's a question that I often ask my clients. And a lot of times they say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I ever seen, I've never had it. And so I'll take them, I'll help walk them through a time in their life when they might have felt it. For example, some people feel it, feel, feel it standing on the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Yes. Oh my God. That's so crazy. Yes, you it's like, say that's that. Wait, now, explain, explain. <laughs> well, the, the feeling of standing, you explain, but my feeling of standing at the Green Canyon is indescribable. It's, it's, it's something you can't put into words. It's one of those few awe-inspiring moments where you're just so small and, and it's so majestic. You, you literally have no words. <laughs> 
Right. And see, if you were my client, I would point out to you, you just verbalized exactly the answer to your question. You asked me how I work and you just, you, you were there and you said at the moment you felt, you feel so small. And at the same time, you feel so majestic. Mm-hmm. See that, that spirit, that's when you know you're in the flow, when you connect with that. Some people feel it when they're listening to an opera at La Scala mm-hmm. in Milano, you know? Is that why people cry? Yes, I think a lot of times that's why people cry. When they're having such profound emotions that their body doesn't know how to express it, oh. by default, you kind of cry. And you're not sad, you're happy, you're, you're kind of, you, you feel this kind of cosmic homesickness, if you will. You feel spiritually yeah. connected to something and you want to be there again. Uh, all these mo- emotions just swirl in your head and you get this, this sense, this calmness about, oh, that's who I am. That's how Ashley feels waking up next to Jared every morning. I was going to say, I do have moments of that with my family and with my husband all the time where I'm just like, you guys, can you believe how blessed we are and how happy we are in this moment? I do that all the time. Um, wow. But- I, I got to change something. <laughs> That's one of the experiences I often bring up, particularly for women, is how did you feel when you held your baby for the first time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, that must be, I can't wait to, I because can't wait for that feeling. Literally all women who I ask about what that feeling's like, like they say that it's like nothing they've ever experienced in their whole life. Like I, mm-hmm. they do make it seem like it's heavenly. And it's so funny because it happens after like so much bodily trauma. Nothing comes closer to a divine, a profound divine experience, in my opinion, than a woman giving birth. Hmm. I don't think yeah. there's any more profound miracle in, in the world than any time that a woman gives birth to a healthy child and lives through the process. It's a miracle. Aww. You know how sometimes you just need help in life? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah, but sometimes the help that we seek from our friends and family may not be the best help, in which case you may be seeking better help. Insert BetterHelp, a company that will actually connect you to counselors all over the world. This is literally our favorite sponsor, guys. I could talk about this at nauseum. I think everybody in the world should be in therapy, talking to someone, working through things. Why? Because we all go through stuff, whether it's depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, if you can't sleep, trauma, if you're feeling anger, if you're feeling grief, low self-esteem, You can talk to a counselor. Anything you share is confidential and it's convenient, professional, and affordable. Um, What we do love about BetterHelp is that you can do it. You can message a counselor any time and you can do do weekly video or phone sessions, whichever one you prefer. You get timely and thoughtful responses. You're never going to have to deal with being in an uncomfortable waiting room. And they're so popular right now, guys, that they are recruiting counselors in all 50 states. And just letting you guys know, it's not a crisis line, but it is an affordable, professional, and convenient way to get therapy. We want you to start living a happier, healthier life today. So as a listener of the I Don't Get It podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash get it. 
Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash get it. And if you guys have are listening and you have any friends that, out there that need therapy or anything, tell them to use our code and to check out BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash get it. So you you talk about how you helped the the one the one guy with the with the the motorcycle accident and how you related so well to the the man who was so depressed, but yet earlier in the podcast you mentioned that um, you were afraid that how your patients would take your gift, but it seems like it's almost always received well. Was there an experience where it wasn't received well, or do you in hindsight wish that you exposed it more? Well, I'm not sure if I had an experience where it wasn't received well because I didn't share it for them to reject it Mm -hmm. uh, in such a way. But I can tell you on one occasion, you know, I told you about my friend Jeff Olson about when he came to the the ER from a car crash and his deceased wife was there. I had another experience almost just like that where a patient was involved in a car crash in, in another state. They were flown to my emergency department. There were family members in the emergency department with them. And a deceased family member who died at the scene was there with them. And I was expressly told, oh don't tell them I'm here. Don't tell me I'm here. That's what, okay, don't. That's what they, they, they didn't, the, the, the spirit did not want you to tell the person that the they person, had crossed right. over. Because I, I'm assuming that if the person who was in distress at the time knew that they would want to cross over as well. I don't know. Or maybe they just wouldn't have believed it and it would have been more traumatic for them in that moment, maybe. Yeah, it could have been any of those things. They, I wasn't given a reason. I just, uh, I, I understood I wasn't to disclose it to the family. And so I left it alone. What, Dr. Jeff? That's wild. I'd be you like, you gotta Yo. listen to them. You gotta uh, listen to no, them. No, that's crazy. I, to be honest with you, thank God I don't have this power because I could not keep that shit in. I'd be like, yo, <laughs> someone doesn't want me to tell you this, but they're here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh <laughs> Dr. Jeff, have you ever like seen um, a spirit be caught on film? Because I, I'm like a paranormal investigator. I love all that stuff. And I've seen videos of like souls leaving an ambulance and a whole bunch of things. Do you think there's they're credible, credible well, footage of this? I don't know what to make of them. I have some friends who have some such videos. And for them, it's very clear. For me, it seems very murky. I just don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't see it on film. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it's not real for them. I'm just saying that I don't see it uh, in the f- videos that I've been shown. Yeah, it's hard to tell what's real and it's not. But I mean, if you see someone floating above someone's body, one of those videos may possibly be real. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny that three of us are just, it's, I just realized, Lauren, with you asking that question, like Ashley's so in the medical stuff and you're so in paranormal stuff and I'm so into the meaning of life stuff. It's really the best, the best panel. Um, I have a question, Dr. Jeff. So what do you think? Do you think everyone has a purpose in life? I've always wanted to know the answer to this because, or do you think only certain people do, or does everyone share the same one? Oh, I think we all have a purpose. I think one of the biggest obstacles to us accomplishing what we're here to accomplish is the notion that some people are more important than others mm-hmm. and that they should get more attention or more money or more love. Uh, we, we want to label and separate and distinguish people and things. And the problem is, is that you can't label something until you first judge it. 
You don't know what label to put on it if you don't judge it first. And the problem is, is we're not very good judges. And Mm -hmm. so uh, we label people. uh, We think they're less important or more important. And and I believe that every soul is equally divine and equally important. And they're here for different reasons. For example, the, the, the homeless man whose feet I washed, if he did nothing else with his entire life but come there that day and teach me what he taught me, his whole mission in this world would have been, was a success. Mm-hmm. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Wow. So there there is um there are people out there, there are doctors out there who like to poo-poo this idea of us seeing the light of the afterlife, of near-death experiences and every everything that the people who have experienced them say that they have experienced they chalk it up to you know certain parts Endorphins and, yeah or certain whatever. parts of the brain dying and all of that and you feel very strongly that that is not the case well i have never tried to make a case for it from a scientific perspective i simply share my experiences Uh, This is what I know from personal experience. But if you want a good, fairly quick, easy read on near-death experiences and some of these things, read Bruce Grayson's new book, After. Bruce Grayson is a psychiatrist. He was at UVA, University of Virginia, much of his career. He's been studying near-death experiences for 50 years, and he just just published a book. And he's written it for the non-science reader. It's a very accessible 
uh, book. It's well worth reading. Did you watch the OA, Dr. Jeff? Do I watch what? Have you seen the OA on Netflix? Um, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta watch it. We highly recommend and come back to us with your thoughts. But I I watched uh, Surviving Death uh, with our friend Stephanie on there. The other people on there are also my friends. Bruce Grayson's on that episode. Uh, Mary Neal's a friend of mine. She's Mm -hmm. on there. Jose Hernandez is on there. He's a friend of mine. Raymond Moody, he's a friend. Uh, uh, So, in fact, I was supposed to be on that episode. I was scheduled for an interview, and then the production team had to change the interview schedule, and I never got rescheduled, or I'd have been on that episode. Oh, no. That's okay, because you made it on the I Don't Get It podcast. He's (laughs) way cooler. (laughs) Dr. Jeff, um, there was another instance that you talked about on one of your YouTube videos, one of the ones that you're featured in where you discuss a Harvard, a doctor at Harvard who had meningitis and he never believed in like uh, the afterlife that we, that we like to believe in. And yet after he came out of a coma, he did. Yes. His name is Eben Alexander, Harvard trained academic neurosurgeon. He was a materialist, believed that consciousness was created by the brain. Then he contracted a rare form of E. coli meningio, uh, meningitis, meningioencephalitis, actually. And uh, when he recovered enough uh, to read his own medical record, he concluded that his brain was far too sick to have uh, created the, the out-of-body experience, the near-death experience that he had. Mm. And... Uh, now he believes in what's what he calls non-local consciousness, which is that the consciousness exists in spite of the brain, not because of it, that uh, it exists independent of the brain. And one of the things that was really powerful about his near-death experience was Eben was uh, adopted, and he didn't even know that he had a biological sister that was deceased. <gasps> I think it was about four months after his near-death experience, he uh, found out about this sister, and he saw a picture of her. And she was his guide during his out of his near death experience. He recognized her. Oh, I so love she, that! Whoa! So <laughs> his sister awesome. that he never met was he recognized he, in the photo as the woman that was his guide when he was who in a came coma. to him. Yeah. Wow. Jesus Christ. It's a great book, New York Times bestseller. He's he's written a few books, but I think the first one was called Proof of Heaven. Oh, he's written a few books about oh. it since. That's really, really cool. I, I think it's so fascinating when like scientists switch over. They're like, I can't explain it, mm-hmm. and and actually kind of like get to eat their words. But I'm, I love you, scientists and doctors, obviously. But like, I love when they see the light. You know, me too. It, it brings more validity to the entire thing, I and agree. it just makes everything make more sense because nothing makes sense. Well, um, well you know. There's been a lot of proposed mechanisms for near-death experiences, as you mentioned, you know, neurotransmitter dumping and anoxic brain injury, temporal lobe seizures. There's a whole list of them. None of them really hold up to any kind of scientific scrutiny to explain what people describe. Um, But aside from all that, what I had in my experiences, like with Jeff Olson and some other experiences in the emergency department, Nobody's even proposed any kind of a scientific or medical explanation for what what I experienced. 
I was in the middle of a shift. I was working as an emergency physician. I wasn't having a hallucination. wasn't having a seizure. I wasn't mm-hmm. on drugs. I wasn't on any medications. I was wide awake. H- how do you explain what I experienced? You wow. can't. Yeah, you, you yeah. really can. Why do you feel like so many people want to negate it and to say, oh, it's this, it's that, and not just embrace that possibly could be the other side? Um, we really like to have answers. We want answers. Scientists really want answers. You three are much too young to appreciate this, but there used to be a detective show uh, in California. It was called Dragnet. And the main character, uh, he'd always say to the, to the person he was talking to that he was taking a report from, he'd say, just the facts, man. Just the fact. <laughs> Just the fact. I feel like I've heard that phrase before. Yeah, his yeah. name was Joe Friday. And, uh, and that's how scientists are. Show me the facts. Show me the data. Show me the evidence. No, I don't Show know. Show me the money. If you were like ever, I don't know, this sounds weird, but like the movie Flatliners, you know, yeah. have you ever been tempted to like see what's beyond for yourself? Um, and come back. <laughs> I not only I not only saw the remake of Flatliners, I saw the original. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've never been tempted to do something like that. I'm curious to do what? something like what? I've I never guess I'm explain Flatliners, Lauren. Yeah, um, what they Flatliners what? is when a bunch of scientists um, essentially killed themselves and then were brought back to life by their fellow scientists so they could experience the afterlife. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they were medical students, mm-hmm, and they, yeah. they stopped the heart and then resuscitated them and asked them what they experienced when their heart was stopped, and, uh, and they kept taking turns and, and having the heart stop for longer and longer periods of time each time before they shocked them back. So I guess one of the reasons I don't, I'm not tempted to do something like that is because for me, the, the window, the veil is already so open and thin that mm-hmm. uh, I, I just figure I, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And when I'm supposed to move on, I'll move on. And I'm fine with that. I love that. Do you have a sense of when you will um, transition to the other side? Like, have you been told that? I have not been told that. But I struggle whenever I go to a funeral because I'm envious of the person in the casket. Why? Yeah. Because for me, it's, I understand it as a transition of great love and light mm-hmm. and instruction and progress and reuniting with, uh, pre- with what loved ones that have preceded us in death. And for me, it seems like a very joyous experience. Yeah, I'm honestly same. I can't wait to die. I'm so, I don't want to pay off my student loans. I'm tired of getting heartbroken. Show me the light. God, take me tomorrow. I literally don't care anymore. Oh my God. No. No. Dr. Jeff, what happens? I, I want, first, I want you to tell me what happens when we die. What you believe. Well, from everything I've experienced and from my many friends who have uh, had death experiences and been resuscitated. Um, we have an opportunity to encounter loved ones, receive love, encounter divine beings. Uh, we, we get to view our life in review and, uh, um, uh, often we, we go to some glorious, beautiful, wonderful place that many people would describe as, as heaven. But 
effort. And I could I could list you a bunch of examples, but I know Jeff Olson well because we've been friends for 24 years. So I'll use his example. When he was in the presence of the divine, he started to see his life review and he saw things that he did that he thought were wrong. Some of them he knew were wrong and did them anyway. And he was feeling guilty and he was thinking, oh, I hope I can be forgiven for this. And the divine being in his presence said, there's nothing to forgive. Everything is in divine order. We don't view things that way here. I love these stories mostly because I love to hear that we're reunited with our families and friends on the other side. And also, just do you think that the other side is with us always, um, sort of in a parallel-like universe where they are always kind of by our sides and they're watching our lives unfold? I think they are with us much more than we generally appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's our perception that's lacking, not their not their presence. So uh, we tend to view things in a very linear way, and we view them in a in a cr- chronological way. Uh, and everybody I know that's been on the other side of the veil, including myself, has come back and said things aren't linear there. Time is irrelevant there. Time may not even exist. Uh, time is a, is a mortal construct, a mortal paradigm. And I, I just read two near-death experiences last week that really struck me. One of them, the woman said that she saw deceased loved ones wearing the clothes they'd worn in this life, but at the same time they were wearing this beautiful, glorious uh, white robes. And I thought, that's interesting. They're wearing both at the same time. Yeah. And then I read this other one, back-to-back, this other experience where the person described becoming one with eternity, one with it. She called it it, capital I, capital T, and became immense in it and became one with it. And yet at the same time, she said simultaneously she was aware of her own individuality. Mm. And the reason these two NDEs struck me so much is because they cast – uh, a different light on our notion about what's possible. We can do more than one thing at once. We can wear different clothing or not clothing, and we can do it all at the same time. We can be part of the great consciousness and still be an individual at the same time. That doesn't compute with our mortal thinking, but I think that's mm-hmm. a perfectly uh, possible there. That makes a lot of sense because whenever uh, we're talking about the afterlife, we're always thinking, what if our perfect afterlife is with a specific person, but that specific person doesn't want you in their afterlife? You know what I mean? Or I don't know, like you want to look like yourself at 20, but like your your partner wants you to look like you did at like 50. It, everything is fluid kind of like you can be everything at once. And also it kind of gives a reason to like, you won't get tired of the afterlife because there is no time mm-hmm. to be tired of. Is the, Am I talking in circles no, here? No, it makes no, sense. It okay. I love the way you worded it. The fact that you could have the appearance or the mental faculties of a 20-year-old and a 50-year-old at the same time is very liberating way to think about it. Yeah. They save so much money in Botox in the afterlife. <laughs> I need your take on free will because I think... I just want your take on free will. What What is free will and how do we act upon it and how does it affect the us in the afterlife? I believe that free will is the most universal and sovereign thing that we possess, the right to choose. I think we chose to come. 
We may have chosen some of the experiences that we're going through. We'll choose where we go after this life. Uh, we might even choose whether we come back to this life uh, subsequently. Um, one of my friends, when they were in the presence of the divine, they said, what, what is your will? And, and, and the source answered back and said, our will, your will is our will. What do you want? So, so we choose the experiences we want to go through on earth, but then how does free will play into that? So let's say I chose to go through a bunch of things, X, Y, and Z, when I come to earth. Um, so what happens? Those things can, can not happen because I choose them to not happen? So you, you get what I'm trying to ask? So, you might, so you, like you mean you chose them before you came, but when you got here, you changed your mind? Yeah, I guess my question is, what are the ramifications? If if I chose, if I agreed and signed a soul contract to go through certain experiences, but then I came to earth and through free will, I made different decisions. Is it true that I end up at the same place anyway? I don't know whether you end up at the same place, but I'm quite confident you end up at the right place. And I think things are fluid and change and uh, I think if you make a decision at one point and you later have more information or you feel differently about it and you choose to make a different decision, I think that's fine. I think that happens all the time. The one caution I believe you have to be careful about when you talk about will and agency is if something in your future or in your present, for that matter, involves the agency of someone else, you have to be really cautious that you, that you respect and honor their right and ability to choose as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. Leave it to me to bring it back to the hospital. But when you were practicing and you lost a patient, not like you, you'd cause it, but you know, like a patient came in and, and they lost their lives. Would you feel, do you feel like it had less of an impact on your day, on your soul that day because you, you really knew that they were going to a better place? Do you feel like you had an advantage over maybe other doctors that like once they lose a patient, like, you know, it can be really affecting? Yeah, I had one such patient that really impacted me deeply. She uh, had driven her husband to the airport and dropped him off to go on a business trip. And she was on her way home and was involved in a horrible car crash. She was uh, eight plus months pregnant. And uh, the paramedics wanted to stop at the scene. And I said, no, no, keep, keep doing chest compressions. Keep doing everything you can possibly do, even if you can't save her. And uh, I'll have the team ready when you get here. And when they arrived, I had the, the obstetrician, trauma team, and uh, neonatal team there. And they did a, what's called a crash section, uh, cesarean section, and they delivered the baby. And they worked for a long time to try and resuscitate the baby, but they were unable to do so. And the newborn teen took the baby upstairs and cleaned her all up, put a a little bow in her beautiful dark hair and brought her down and put her in the arms of her mother, her deceased mother. And I came, that was a night shift. That was early in the morning after working a night shift. And shortly after that, I came home. My wife met me at the door. And as I came into my house, uh, uh, I turned around, looked back at her, and I could see the shadow from the morning sun casting her eight-month pregnant shadow on the door. My wife was eight months pregnant at the time. Wow. And so that one kind of was affecting for me. And, but in answer to your question, yes, some days, you, you know, a patient passes and it's really devastating. But, it's, but I never felt like they were going to a bad place. I always mm-hmm. felt like 
um, it was their time, that it was right for them to go. And one of the things I learned, interestingly, was if you're just kind of mechanically going through the motions and somebody dies and you just kind of uh, call call the code and give the time of death and walk out of the room, you don't very often have an experience. But when somebody passes, if you just pause for a minute and you recognize and say, oh, this is a human soul that just transitioned. And you just take mm-hmm. that, that thought, just that pause for a moment. So often for me, that opened up a door and I had profoundly spiritual experiences with uh, recently deceased just by stopping and taking a moment and acknowledging them. How That's beautiful. That's going to stay with me forever. Thank you for saying that. For sure. Um, how many times did you see the spirit leave the body? I'm not sure. But uh, multiple times, you'd say. Yeah. And and sometimes I had equally profound experiences when a spirit came into this life at birth. So that's wow. something we could talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether a spirit is coming or going. Uh, if the veil is separated, the veil's drawn back to allow a soul to come or go. And so I had equally profound experiences when people were born. And I view it kind of like you're standing next to this heavy, dark curtain, if you will. And every once in a while, somebody draws back the curtain to allow a soul to go through. And this beautiful, glorious, brilliant light on the other side of the curtain spills through. And if you're there, you, some of it spills onto you and you get to experience wow. it all the time. That's all the time. super cool. It, I mean, I know that we don't want to compare it to movies, but it really does feel a lot like, you know, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore's Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, only magnified by uh, a couple orders of magnitude. That's awesome. I love it. Well, I love that you brought up ghosts because I wanted to ask you, Dr. Jeff, if you believe in soulmates. Yes, with the caveat that I mentioned before. Free will. Yeah, free will. Yeah, you got to respect yeah. the other person's agency. So, but what are your take? Like, what? Have you learned about soulmates from your connection with spirit? Do you believe your wife is your soulmate? Oh, I think she's definitely my soulmate. My wife and I in June will be married 35 years. Oh, congrats. And uh, uh, I think we have all kinds of soul groups and soul connections with people. I have a handful of people in my life that the moment I met them, I had this understanding that they were something significant and that uh, we would be friends or colleagues or, or, or something uh, for a long period of time and that we would help each other. That was the impression I had with Jeff Olson, by the way. The month after his accident, when I went to see him in his hospital room and he shared his near-death experience and I told him about my experience with his wife, you'd think that would be the crowning uh, event of the visit, right? Yeah. But, but what was what actually was the crowning event of the visit was I had this growing understanding, this growing knowledge. The longer I was in his room with him, I understood more and more that my purpose in being there that day wasn't just what we were sharing. It was to connect us to the next decades of our lives. Now, Jeff Olson, did he ever remarry? Wow. He did. So that's what I, I wonder. It's like if you have two great loves of your life, you go to heaven and then... You're with both right, of them. Yeah. That's Lord, what Lauren was waiting for you. About. Yeah. Well, his deceased wife actually, came, he was feeling guilty about having feelings about another woman uh, mm-hmm. 
uh, and it was it was tearing him up inside. And his his deceased wife came to me, came to him, and told him, "It's okay. You, I want you to choose joy. I want you to be happy. Your grief weighing me down, and I want you to be happy." And he said, "But I'm having feelings for this other woman." And she said, "Yeah, I know. I brought her into your life." <laughs> oh, oh, I'm gonna go. cry. Yeah. That makes me want to cry. Oh. <laughs> okay. I feel like I have one last question and then Lauren and Naz can get to their last questions. Um, I just like, I'm really fascinated by this whole, you being able to see spirits going in and out of bodies. Is it like in ghosts where like you just see like this, this, I don't know what you'd even call it, but like it it just moves up to the air and, and just like, Yeah, in my experience, that's very similar to what it what it feels like or what I experienced. Um, it seems completely effortless and totally uh, painless. And the thing that I'm struck by is that they are always grateful. They are always mm-hmm. profoundly happy and grateful. That's great. Mm-hmm. You've never seen someone struggle and not wanting to leave. I haven't. It may happen, but I haven't experienced it. Yeah. When they struggle is when they're told they have to come back and they have to get mm-hmm. back in the body. That's when they describe having unpleasant experiences. There, there was that one woman that you talk about. You, I think you kind of briefly mentioned her earlier in the podcast, but she basically was saying, like, can you please just, like, let me go? Like, I just want to go. I want to go. And then you put your hand on her leg and, like, kind of eased her into that, like, yes, it's okay to leave. Yes, um, I was logging onto the computer to start my shift, and I became aware of her presence over my shoulder. And I'd had enough experiences by then; I knew what was going on. Um, there was a woman in the next room being resuscitated by a medical team, and it was her soul that was standing at my shoulder, asking me for help. Uh, I dropped what I was doing. I walked into the room. I was starting my shift, so I was in my usual clothes. Nobody paid any attention to me at all because I was in my element. You know, it wasn't uncommon for another physician to walk into a room when somebody's, you know, being coded that way. There was one er- one area that wasn't occupied around the gurney, and I just kind of nonchalantly walked over and laid my hand on her leg because I. I'd learned that touch is so important. Mind you, she's unconscious. She's intubated. They're, they're bag ventilating her and doing ch- chest compressions. And as I touched her leg, she asked me telepathically, is it okay for me to go? And I thought, wait a minute, why are you asking me? Mm-hmm. And uh, even as I thought that, I got this download and I understood and I communicated it to her uh, silently, of course. I said, if you feel like it's time to go and you think that's the right thing to do, I think it's probably okay. Mm-hmm. And that was when she rose up out of her body and stood in the air above the gurney and uh, filled me with light and glory and thanked me. And then she left. And wow. I went back out and logged onto the computer and started my shift. That was how my day began. That's incredible. Um, you, before you were talking about with your friend, Jeff, um, that like you, you knew meeting him, that would be like sent like many, many years of friendship and all these good vibes and stuff. A lot of the times I have these like gut instincts that like this person that I'm talking to is like bad news and it's not even what they're saying. It's their energy. Do you think that's like the same thing, like kind of like guiding me in a direction, like don't hang out with this person or or something else that I'm picking up? Yes, I think that's absolutely yeah. what's happening. 
Do you follow it? Do you honor it? Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I try to, but like, I I had an experience today. I was like, I know I sh- I knew I shouldn't have seen this person again. I left just feeling icky, and I'm just like, okay. It's funny, Lauren, because that's exactly what free will is. Yeah, like you were supposed to not, right? Like your right. gut was like, don't, and then you chose the other way instead, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I went against my initial gut and I was like, I'll give him another shot. Nope. I think that's what free will is. Right, Dr. Jeff? Yeah. And then you just had absolutely nobody else to blame, did you? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. My last question for you is, um, do we decide when and how we go? I don't know how much input we have in that. Um, some people get intuition, they get foreknowledge of it. Uh, some people, it comes up on them as a complete surprise. I'm talking now about near-death experiencers because people that are permanently dead don't usually come back and tell us those things. But um, I think some people have some insights or intuitions and they may have some input into it. Other people, I'm not sure. Not, I, ha- I have had friends with chronic illnesses that were approaching the end of life, and, and they, of course, knew that they were going to pass, and they were comfortable with it. And they talked. They, have, they had increasing conversations with deceased loved ones as they approached uh, closer to their death. Hmm. Yes, I've heard wow. about that before. All right, well, That's Dr. Nice. Jeff... You have books out. You actually are able to meet with people over what you call lunch with Dr. Jeff, and they can get your guidance. Um, Mm -hmm. So please let everybody know how they can schedule this, buy your books, get to know more about you. Yes. um, The mentoring, the books, everything are available on my website, helpingsoulsheal.com. Um, you can also get there with my name, jeffwadriscoll.com, but some people struggle with the spelling of my name. <laughs> but if you get helpingsoulsheal.com. And I, I wrote uh, a memoir about uh, my experiences in the ER. It's titled Not Yet. It can be obtained internationally on Amazon. Uh, I, wrote a, I wrote a novel that I, that I really like. It's really a, a gritty novel about a guy's spiritual journey when he has a very rough upbringing and, and how he finds a whole new meaning in life. And uh, it's titled Who Buried Achilles? That's available mm-hmm. internationally on Amazon. And I wrote a series of children's books, six children's books. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah, I saw about, that actually. What yeah, about your website? They're on my website. I ship domestically. They're not available internationally, but they're available. If you get the children's books, get them on my website, not on Amazon, because I had to jack the price up on Amazon to cover all the. <laughs> I, I, I've advice. written a children's book as well, and I feel you there. Those are called Muck the Duck and Friends. Yeah. What is the theme of them? I was riding along in a car with my three-year-old granddaughter one day, and she Aww. said, Papa, tell me a story. Oh. And uh, we were in the car, so I had to make it up. So I made up a story about Muck the Duck, and Muck learned something about bullies and bullying. And and three days later, my granddaughter was still telling it in such detail. My wife said, oh, you have to write that down. So I wrote it down. I found an illustrator, and it was so much fun to bring it to life. We'd made five more. You guys, I have to read the titles of them. They're so cute. Muck the Duck, Pat the Rat, Jake the Snake, Pearl the Squirrel, Vanilla the Gorilla, and Ringo the Dingo. Ringo the Dingo dingo is the first one I'm getting. So sweet. Ringo lives in Australia in the Northern Territory. 
<laughs> and uh, he learns the simple lesson of sometimes you just have to say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. That's so great. I love love these lessons. Well, thank you for everything that you put out into the world and for all your healing. We really appreciate you coming and and sharing with us. So much. much. Thank you so much. This was a delightful hour. It's really, really cool to hear your stories. Thank you. Honored to be with you. Thank you for having me. Bye, Dr. Jeff. Bye-bye. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app. I don't get it. Podcast.